Happy Monday, everyone. Hope you all had a great weekend. Welcome back to Unbothered. Josh here. There are a couple things that I am bothered about that I will be getting to today. I'm going to be talking about the Rams-Bengals Monday night tonight. Can the Bengals avoid going 0-3 to start the season? Then, a matchup of two unbeatens also Monday night. Eagles-Bucks, who has the edge there? Then I talk about some of the highlights from week three, such as Miami dropping 70 points on the Denver Broncos. I react to that. The Los Angeles Chargers in a questionable play call again from head coach Brandon Staley, yet they still win. A porous Jets offense. Uh, Kansas City absolutely hammering Chicago with Taylor Swift in attendance. Cowboys, huge upset to the Arizona Cardinals. And another questionable decision made by Josh McDaniels last night in Sunday Night Football. And I'll talk about some college uh, football as well. Some things I didn't like, Ryan Day. Some things I did like, Dan Lanning. So let's get into it. Rams, Bengals, and Eagles, Bucks. Let's start with Eagles, Bucks. That's the first matchup on tonight. Again, a 2-1 beatings. Um, and you have two sides, really. Here of two one beatings. You have the Philadelphia Eagles, who are the reigning defending NFC champions, um, who haven't really played like we saw them play last season. Their passing, uh, you know, numbers with Jalen Hurts are not as stunning or as good as they were last year. And their pass defense, again, not as good as last year, whereas their rushing attack looks great. Their rushing defense looks great. But there are some areas they need to work on in Tampa Bay. They're a surprise 2-0 team. Uh, not a lot of people preseason picked Tampa Bay to go 2-0. Yet here they are, led by Maker Faith, Baker Mayfield, and they're 2-0. So to start, I am picking the Eagles to win this game. Uh, again, there's been a lot of outside noise doubting this Philly offense. And again, I was one of the first ones to say that, hey, there was going to be some regression with the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, there just had to be, starting off 11-0 last year, going 14-3. and um, The high-powered offense and defense, teams put some tape on, figure out, you lose some players, some coordinators. Again, you'll regress just a bit. A bit. But there's been... Quite a few questionable people out there um, saying that, you know, this Philly offense, you know, just isn't that good, um, overrated. But one of the things I liked that uh, Jalen Hurts mentioned this week is the focus is on winning. I like that mentality. I like that leadership that, hey, the stats, the outside noise don't matter. We win. And that's my mindset as well, or it would be too, in sports is that, hey, I don't care if I win by one point, 50 points like the Dolphins did style points. It doesn't matter because no matter how you win, I'm 1-0, 2-0 in the win column, regardless of how I get there, that's all I need. 
So I like their mindset, uh, their identity. I like last week. To me, DeAndre Swift looks really good. Um, to me, he can be a workhorse main back. I think they found something with DeAndre Swift. I think Devontae Smith, this isn't a one-two punch, um, you know, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. This is more like 1A A.J. Brown and 1B Devontae Smith. That's how good these wide receivers are. So, again, I think the offense is fine. Tampa Bay has been surprising. Baker Mayfield, again, you can win games by not turning the ball over. Baker Mayfield, no turnovers, a decent run game. And if you trusted Mike Evans, who's a terrific wide receiver, to make some plays, you can go out and win some games. So Tampa Bay is playing good. However, a couple of people questionable, uh, Devin White, Vita Vea, Carlton Davis, the health of them. Eagles are a more healthy team, even though Quez Watkins, Boston Scott are out. I do like the Eagles um, to go in to Tampa Bay, hostile environment, Monday night, uh, to win this game. Um, Tampa Bay's wins have been closed. Again, they played Chicago last week. Chicago looks like one of the worst teams in the league. Eagles have played two close games, but I don't think Tampa Bay can pull off the upset here. Maybe they cover, make it close, uh, but they're not going to outright win this game tonight. Now our other Monday night game, Rams and Bengals. First time they played each other in a regular season since the 2022 Super Bowl. Rematch of that where the Rams beat the Bengals in that Super Bowl. Uh, here we have the Rams at 1-1 one one with a bunch of young talent. Uh, outside of Matthew Stafford on offense, of course, Cooper Cup is on IR right now. But you got young players, Kyron Williams, uh, Puka Nakua, Tutu Atwell, um, flying around this field. And then defensively, it's anchored by Aaron Donald. But it's a lot of young guys on this team. And they're stepping up. They're playing hard. They're playing great. And then you have Cincinnati. 0-2, uh, myself included, thought, hey, they'd be 2-0, 1-1 at this point. Said they're 0-2 like last year. And my main concern is the health of Joe Burrow and his lingering calf injury, which he had in training camp. Then sat out the rest of training camp preseason, basically missed six weeks. Came back from a first game. Uh, didn't play well, and then last week, tweaked it. So his status is up in the air. However, from what I'm reading, it's trending likely that he is going to play. Um, so there is some optimism there. However, your concern is this offensive line. Uh, this offensive line is not good. Um, and again... I wish it was better. I uh, wish I could say that, hey, this is improved, but he's already taken three sacks already to start the year. Um, you need to protect Joe Burrow. And the problem is this offensive line is facing Aaron Donald. Now, last, last time they faced Aaron Donald went absolutely crazy against this poor offensive line. Again, they have spent a lot of money on it to try to improve it. However, it's not gotten the results that they're hoping for yet. Again, it takes time to gel and work. You know, last year it took quite a few weeks. So now you're going to have to fast track it. You have to be on par 
against Aaron Donald. Joe Burrow cannot be taking hits, uh, hurting that calf to where he could be put on IR out an extended amount of time when you're already at 0-2. You lose this game tonight, you lose Joe Burrow. Season is over. But I believe he's going to tough through the pain. Um, it's going to be probably an injury that lingers all throughout the season. Um, last year we saw Patrick Mahomes and his ankle injury um, through the postseason. And then yesterday, Patrick Mahomes' ankle got rolled up again, played fine against the Bears. So I'm not questioning Joe Burrow's toughness. But this is the time for Joe Burrow to really silence the critics, the doubters, the haters out there who, you know, were talking about him and his contract. And then now with his injury, um, if he can go out, win this game tonight with a calf injury, he kind of, to me, he silences the critics. It's like, hey, this guy knows what he's doing. He's been uh, accurate. He was a lot better last week than he was against the Browns. It's just trying to take those deep shots um, to Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, getting the ball to your great wide receivers on this team. I think Joe Burrow can do it. It's going to be extremely tough tonight because Aaron Donald is a game wrecker. But this game is in Cincy. Monday night primetime, the fans are going to be loud. It's going to be a tough environment to play in. They are wearing their all-white uniforms, which, again, to me, are the best alternates in the game. I believe they win tonight. Close, close game. But Cincinnati avoids an 0-3 hole. Joe Burrow, masterful performance with the calf injury. Uh, They get it done tonight. Now, let's go over some week three games. Let's start with Pittsburgh and Las Vegas. That was a primetime game on last night. Uh, You know, and it looked like, too, this game was going to be over in the fourth quarter. I was tempted of just turning it off, doing something else. It was 23-7 Pittsburgh, but I thought, hey, they do have a chance of getting two touchdowns to uh, point conversions, and maybe they can make a game out of it. So fast forward to the fourth quarter. Five minutes left, around six minutes left in the fourth quarter. Las Vegas drives. They get a touchdown. They get the two points. So it is an eight-point game. Eight points. So you just need a touchdown and a two-point conversion. Repeat of the last drive. So it works out um, after the touchdown. They force a three and out by the Steelers. Takes about a minute off the clock. So they really have four minutes to kind of get down the field and get a touchdown. And they have a good punt return. Gets them to the Steelers 50. They drive all the way down to the Pittsburgh 8. It's second and four at the Pittsburgh 8. Jimmy G throws a weird uh, backwards pass to Devontae Adams. It didn't look right. Didn't work. It's third and four. Uh, pass uh, to Jacoby Myers. That uh, wasn't going to get the first down, but again, not a great play. And then fourth and four, and they kick a field goal. You're down 23-15. There's about two and a half minutes on the clock, and Josh McDaniels kicks a field goal 
makes it 23-18, hoping that his defense can force another three and out and get the ball back. And now does that ever work out? Remember Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur and the Green Bay Packers a few years ago, NFC Championship game against the Bucks, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. So very similar situation. It was, you know, fourth and goal. It's, uh, you know, Tampa Bay six or seven. It's 31-23. They kick the field goal 31-26 in hoping that, hey, we'll just stop them and then we'll get the ball back, get a touchdown, win the game. Because you're going to need a touchdown no matter what. Instead, what happens? They don't get the ball back and game over. So... Las Vegas gets the ball back with seven seconds left, 90 yards to go. There's nothing you can do, and it's game over. I don't like the call by Josh McDaniels, considering considering what the heck was he thinking. I mean, has he not watched uh, football in his life to know that, hey, uh, why are you doing this? Uh, what I also don't like is, hey, it's fourth and four. You can go for a touchdown. But just lob it up to Devontae Adams. Just do it. Devontae Adams was sensational last night. Uh, Vintage Devontae Adams, uh, 13 receptions, 172 yards. He had a whopping uh, 20 targets last night. Half of Jimmy Garoppolo's attempts were to Devontae. Half of his completions were to Devontae. Half of his yards? Or to Devontae. You go to Devontae. You try to, you know, he'd either catch it, uh, try to draw some pass interference, but you go to him. And to not go to him and to kick the field goal there, it's very questionable. Don't like that play call at all because, again, you're going to need a touchdown. Why do that where you can then, if you don't get it, they're at the eight yard line. You're kind of backed up. Uh, you know, to me, that's more invigorating for a defense, you know, backed up in that area near the goal line. Then if you're forced to punt it again, um, you're punting out of your own end zone. Um, you're more likely to get the ball back. Again, at the 50, more advantageous field position. So I didn't like Josh McDaniels' move at all. Not good game management. Then let's go to the upset of the day. So yesterday's upset of the day and of the year so far was the Arizona Cardinals beating the Dallas Cowboys. Now, to me, this upset was so surprising because I didn't give the Cardinals a shot. Nobody really gave the Cardinals a shot, and the Cardinals never trailed this game. It wasn't like one of those nail biters where, oh, they just won at the end. Arizona somehow dominated this game, didn't have... Never, uh, again, let go of the lead after the initial 3-0 drive right away. At one point, they were up 15-3 to in the second quarter. And the halftime, they were up 21-10. to couple scores by Dallas makes it a five-point game. Cardinals answer, answer clutch drive by Joshua Dobbs. They go up 28-16. And then the... Dallas Cowboys have to drive about five minutes left in the game. 
And Dak Prescott throws an interception with the drive again starting in six minutes. He throws an interception with three minutes left um, in the red zone, in the end zone, at the five-yard line. Terrible throw into triple coverage to, you know, Brandon Cooks. Not a great throw. And then the defense couldn't stop him all night. At the end of the game there, just let uh, the Cardinals just run the ball. Ice the clock. Not a great win for the Dallas Cowboys. To me, it felt like, hey, they just lost Trevon Diggs this uh, last week due to a torn ACL. And it kind of felt deflating at the moment, but I thought the Cowboys can rebound. It didn't feel that way on Sunday. It felt like the air was out of the team, and they couldn't get anything uh, mustered in the red zone. Five red zone attempts, only one score out of there. Um, Again, the interception uh, was bad last night, but, you know, fourth down as well, 0 for 1. This is just typical Cowboys. When the Cowboys look so good, look like the best team through two weeks, and usually the first two weeks the Cowboys don't really look like this. There's like one scare. They just play good enough. Well, this one was like, wow, this is really – the same old Cowboys, a team I picked to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. Again, pre-Trevon Diggs injury. It's like, oh, wow. Uh, now they play the Patriots with a good defense. Could that game be close? And they play the 49ers. Did they get blown out? Chargers, that game be close. Rams close. Eagles, who knows? So it's now the whole projection of the Cowboys have changed because usually they're a team to steamroll bad opponents like the Giants, like the Jets. So I thought this would just be... Easy work for the Dallas Cowboys, but not even the Cardinals could do it. And it doesn't matter who the Cardinals quarterback is, because in the past eight games, Cardinals are 1-7 against the Dallas Cowboys in their last eight games. Uh, it was just a horrendous, awful, pathetic showing by, quote, unquote, America's team. Not good at all. Really disappointed. Kansas City, Chicago. This game was the highlight because Taylor Swift was in attendance. So for those of you who don't know or don't care, I am going to inform you. There was a lot of talk, has been the past week or so, of rumors of Travis Kelsey dating or seeing Taylor Swift. Um, you know, rumblings, Jason Kelsey talked about it on his podcast. You know, Travis Kelsey was on the Pat McAfee show on Friday, and he said, you know, I invited her to Arrowhead, you know, because I saw her rocket during a concert, and hey, I'm just going to send an invite out to her. And she was there. So once I saw that it was confirmed that she was there, I knew the Chiefs were going to win, and they blew him out in front of Taylor. So they brought the house down. Uh, everybody talking about this Chiefs offense. Is it going to click yet? Well, nothing to jumpstart the offense, like not only playing the Chicago Bears, but having Taylor Swift in the house, Taylor Swift in the suite, with Donna Kelsey, Travis Kelsey's mom, kind of just confirming those rumors. They were there after the game together. And Patrick Mahomes even acknowledged post-game that, hey, He knew Taylor Swift was in the house, so, you know, we kind of had to bring it today, bring the house down. So Travis Kelsey played great 
touchdown. Patrick Mahomes threw for three touchdowns. It was their best offensive game of the year. Limited to Justin Fields to under 100 yards passing. It was dominant. Dominant win by the Chiefs. Um, that is the de facto Chiefs we're used to seeing. And, again, bad team of Bears. But next week they play another bad team in the Jets. That one could get ugly fast. Then, a pick I made, Tennessee-Cleveland. So I got five picks wrong this uh, so far this week. One of them was Tennessee-Cleveland. Picked Tennessee. And maybe I should have picked Cleveland. They were playing for Nick Chubb for the win. Kareem Hunt walking in to the game wearing a Nick Chubb jersey. Uh, they just looked more poised. You know, everybody hating on Deshaun Watson, including myself. Uh, and he has his, to me, best game. As a Brown, uh, 289 passing yards, two touchdowns, a QBR of 80, a passer rating of 123. It was great, considering they couldn't get much of a running game going. Uh, Jerome Ford was abysmal. 10 uh, carries, 18 yards, only salvaged by his two touchdowns. Uh, Pierre Strong couldn't get a lot going either. So it was really on Cleveland and his defense. This defense is for real. Held the Titans to under 94 total yards. Total yards. Uh, they absolutely denied Derrick Henry every time he had the ball. He only had 11 carries for 20 yards, a long of nine. Couldn't even gain a first down on him. That's how good he was, or his defense was. So I got to give a lot of credit to Cleveland. Stepping up, now they play the Ravens next week. That game will be interesting. Another interesting game. New Orleans and Green Bay. So Green Bay was one of my picks to win. I stayed with them even when I knew the injuries that were going to be out, the Christian Watsons, the you know, Aaron Jones, the David Bakhtiaris. And the Packers were down 17-0, 17-0 at halftime. And then even uh, better, 17-0 going into the fourth quarter. What happens Derek Carr gets injured, uh, sprains a shoulder, out the rest of the game. They rely on Jameis Winston. Offense can't do anything against Jameis Winston. Well, guess what? Just because that happened, that doesn't affect the Packers' offense because he doesn't play defense, and the defense has held the Packers to zero points through the first three quarters. So Jordan Love had his first interception in this game, but outside of the pick, again, I think he's been playing great, played great yesterday. Showed a lot of poise when they didn't have a run game and they needed to sort of come back. A.J. Dillon, only 33 yards. Jordan Love had 39 yards scrambling. He played really good. They get the field goal 17-3. And then they get a touchdown with around seven minutes left. QB sneak. And Jordan Love in the offense gets a two-point conversion. And I just love that play call for Matt LaFleur. Because they're going to win this game. They're saying, hey, we get this. We know our next touchdown. We are winning this game. So it was a gutsy, great call from Matt LaFleur. Great execution to where they get a touchdown. Things are looking in their favor. So what do they do? They march down the field after they stop the Saints again. Get another touchdown. Great throw. Great pass to Romeo Dobbs. They're up 18-17. I thought they scored with too much time left because there's around three minutes. Saints drive down the field, 
miss a field goal. And again, Jordan Love showed great poise. Uh, I learned that, hey, he's a quality quarterback. I was kind of not sold on him before the season through three games. And guess what? I can already tell he's better than Zach Wilson. He's better than Mac Jones. Um, he is better than uh, Russell Wilson right now, I would honestly say. Same with Jimmy G. Again, not career-wise, but right now, I would take Jordan Love over those two guys. He's better than Justin Fields, and now it's kind of a question of the division. Jordan Love is better than him. He's a good quarterback. He's in a great system with Matt LaFleur. This is a good team. I'm looking forward to Thursday night against the Lions. Let's go to another game. Questionable decision at the end, but great game. And that's the Chargers and the Vikings. So both teams, 0-3, both desperately needed a win. And it was a great offensive output. Uh, Both these teams not struggling on offense, but really struggling on defense. So they're basically, they're identical in total yards. Uh, Both the Chargers and Vikings both had 475 total yards on 11 drives. I mean, just great. Passing, Chargers, much more lethal. They have 100 more passing yards than the Vikings. But the the Chargers couldn't run the ball. 30 rushing yards on 15 attempts. So the Vikings, again, ballooned that number. They had 100 more rushing yards than the Chargers. Chargers had more penalties. It felt like they were trying to lose this game. Again, there was great back and forth. Chargers score first. Minnesota takes the lead. Chargers take the lead again. Minnesota takes the lead again. Chargers take the lead again. It was great back and forth, but it's 28-24 near the end of the game. Uh, the Chargers can punt the ball, and again, they are at their own, uh, let me see, at their own 24-yard line. It's fourth and one, and they go for it at their own 24. You're down by, you're up by four, and I don't get it. Again, there's a minute 51 left. You're giving it to the Vikings with two timeouts left there. This has to be a great play call. QB sneak something. They don't QB sneak it. They do a slow developing halfback dive play to Joshua Kelly, who, again, couldn't get it going all game long. Like I said, a running game was abysmal. He had 11 carries for 12 yards. That's 1.1 yards per carry. He had a long of four. He was not good. So in that critical moment, to hand it off to him doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. Again, Brandon Staley tries to lose games. He does everything in his power to say, how can I lose this game today? What can I do? What can I accomplish to make sure that the fans, media, don't like me? And it further alienate Justin Jefferson, or Justin Herbert. Well, thankfully, the defense stepped up because they didn't get the fourth down. Uh, they had an interception in the red zone. Good for them. Chargers win. Avoid going down 0-3. But Mike Williams tore his ACL. Second wide receiver for the Chargers. Out for the season. Huge loss for the Chargers. Absolutely brutal for them and this team. Uh, absolutely need Mike Williams, um, but they do have 
receivers who have played before in his absence, Joshua Palmer, drafted Quinton Johnston. So hopefully they can step up. But, again, very dicey. Now New England-Buffalo. New England extended the win streak to 15. I was not going to say the Jets were in a one-back game, and they didn't. Uh, and to me, this was an odd game because the Patriots really dominated this game. Uh, they did. They had 358 total yards to 171, you know, dwarfed them in passing and in rushing. Yet you're thinking to yourself, how is this a five-point game there at the end? It's not like the they turn the ball over at all um, or anything like that. It's how does something like this happen? Well, the kicker did miss two field goals, so that is, you know, six potential points. That was 21-10. I do think their kicker is an issue. Uh, but at the end, the Jets had a chance at a Hail Mary to win the game, and they came up just short. It was a, again, Zach Wilson can throw the ball down the field. You don't have to worry about him launching it 50, 60, 70 yards because he can do that. So it got tipped uh, just outside the outstretched hand of Brandon Cooks, which would have been an insane play. The Patriots won. Jets are one and two. Jets are toast. Zach Wilson. Again, there was a couple plays in the pocket where he there was pressure, but nobody actually touched him, and he kind of just goes down. Uh, you know, you have that phrase for a quarterback, you're seeing ghosts out there on defense um, because that defense has just so affected you in your mind uh, that you're just so worried about certain places uh, to throw the ball that you're just throwing it just up there because you can't see the field correctly. Zach Wilson couldn't feel the pocket correctly yesterday and, you know, was kind of just sacking himself, giving himself up, looked scared, nervous. This is going to be a long season for the New York Jets, a season that was brimming with hope, optimism, has now turned into what I think could potentially be worse than last year where they were 7-10. and 10. This, again, with their schedule and, again, the hope of having Aaron Rodgers in the primetime games, this could get ugly real fast for the New York Jets. Then I want to talk about Detroit, Atlanta. Detroit is my team, so I will save them. But for last, there's other interesting things happening. But it was interesting because Atlanta, 2-0, coming into Detroit, very effective running the football. How would Detroit respond? Well, they responded great. So 183 yards total. The defense limited them to. And only 44 yards rushing. Uh, the rush defense was great. They timed their run blitzes and their attack. Very, uh, very well. They held Bijan to only 33 yards. Defense, again, give them a bunch of gold stars. I mean, it's crazy that, you know, they had 10 penalties for 119 yards. Uh, interception by Jared Goff. Yet, they it felt this dominant. I mean, they sacked Desmond Ritter seven times. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson got two. The defense looked great. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson is tied for the NFL league with pressures at 19. 
This is a very opportunistic defense, a much improved defense. It's just weird to see them play such a good game against the Chiefs and win, and the Falcons and win, sandwiched them there between a bad Seahawks defensive game. So if they can play with the consistency, again, we've seen them play. Falcons, Chiefs, we've seen it. It's not a one-hit wonder where, oh, because guess what? Two out of the three times, the defense has been good this year. So I'm expecting that against the Packers and other teams this season. How do you win games? How do you win championships? By playing consistently, not playing inconsistent. So those are my week three highlights, talking points from the NFL. Let's talk about college football. So college football has five and five on my picks. There's a few I wanted to switch. I didn't. Uh, and then just a few close games that, again, they could have gone either way. Uh, Florida State, Clemson. I picked Clemson for the upset. And Clemson really had control of most of this game. Uh, they did. Uh, they had the early lead. Uh, they really didn't relinquish the lead at all. They never trailed. Um, but, you know, in the third quarter, after Clemson gets a touchdown to go up 24-17, they stop Florida State, and they have a ball back. And they're driving, and you think, hey, they can get a touchdown here, 31-17. is to kind of end it. But the props to Kalen Deloach. Great defensive play, causes a fumble, recovers it, and goes a distance, scoop and score 24-24. That changes the perplexion of the game. Clemson can't get any points. They also miss a kick at the end of the game. And again, interesting play call by Dabo Bear, or this offense. Um, In overtime, it's third and one. You do a weird screen pass, loses yards, and then you do another bad pass to lose the game. I mean, Clemson had every opportunity to win this game. They should have won this game. To me, Florida State doesn't scream playoff-worthy, contender, elite. But this one, this got to suck if you're Florida on this one. Then Utah improved to 4-0, beat UCLA, even without Cam Rising. Very impressive. I picked Ole Miss to upset Alabama. This was one I thought about switching back. Lane Kiffin, I'm sorry, just can't beat uh, Nick Saban. And that's okay. A lot of coaches can't. Lane Kiffin's in that uh, in the boat there. Then the other matchup, the game day matchup, Ohio State-Notre Dame. I picked Notre Dame uh, to win, and they should have they should have won. Uh, Ohio State, uh, 10-0 lead in the third quarter. But a couple of great answers by Notre Dame to make it 14-10 to 10 going into the fourth quarter. Defense played uh, really good. Um, and then the last drive of the game, Ohio State needs to get a touchdown to win the game. And they have two and a half minutes left, or a minute and a half left to do so. Um, they make enough plays. Uh, again, Notre Dame's defense was good most of the night. Outside of covering Emeka Igbuka, where clutch play after clutch play Emeka would make. And uh, again, end of the game, they're driving down the field. It's first and goal at the Notre Dame one. Kyle McCord throws an incomplete pass. Then guess what? 
Notre Dame only has 10 players out on the field. So instead of they don't move anyone over there, they try another pass to Marvin Harrison. They don't get it. They run the ball with a second left, get the touchdown, win the game. I felt bad for Notre Dame. Only having 10 players out there defensively, if they would have had the 11th, he would have been in the spot. Maybe they don't run it there. Different play call. Who knows? But that one you got to feel sick if you're Notre Dame. Game you should have won, you don't. Um, just as bad. That one hurts, I believe, for them to lose a game that way. Um, and then afterwards, Ohio State's coach, Ryan Day, people are praising his post-game um, comments. Am I an objective Michigan fan? Not as much as I am an objective Lions fan. Uh, I did not enjoy Ryan Day's post-game conference. Uh, going after Lou Holtz, really, Hall of Fame, one of the greatest coaches in the college football history, and he spoke the facts. He picked Notre Dame to win, of course, because he's a Hall of Fame level winning coach at Notre Dame. He's 86 years old. Of course, he's going to pick Notre Dame. And he just pointed out some of these real flaws in the Ohio State team and some of their losses, which are true. Oh, the Michigan losses, the Clemson, Alabama, those are all true. He didn't say anything false at all. There was no false narrative going around. So for Ryan Day to fire off on Lou Holtz, it's like, dude, chill out. Michigan has really broken this man's psyche, and he looks like a complete lunatic and psychopath in his post-game press conference. And then he says they've had one bad half in a couple of years. One bad half. Now, which bad half was it? Was it the first or the second half against Oregon? Please enlighten me. And then how about the second half against Michigan 2021, that same year? How about that second half of last year against Michigan 2022 and Ohio State? Just one bad half? Because you've had quite a few bad halves in the past couple of years. Uh, get your facts straight. You're not the best coach in your conference anymore. You're not the best coach in anything anymore. You're overrated. You're, you know, on third base. Thought you were born there and hit a triple. I mean, uh, come on. Calm down there, Ryan Day. Don't get too excited now. You still got to play Maryland, who I think is a very formidable team. Penn State, Wisconsin, and you play at the big house this year. Kyle Court didn't look great. Uh, Notre Dame, um, I thought, could have lead more into the um, rushing offense. I mean, they ran for 176 yards um, as a team. I thought they could have leaned more into that rushing tack, really like Michigan had the past two years. I could tell that was a game plan they got down early. They passed, but I thought really to ice the game there at the end, they could have done more with the running attack. They didn't. Uh, and that's what separates great coaches like Marcus Freeman from Jim Harbaugh. But I still like this Notre Dame team, this Notre Dame roster. I believe they'll go and beat Duke. And really, to me, the toughest game they have left is USC. I think they can beat Stanford, the Clemsons, uh, Pittsburghs, all them. But USC in a couple weeks, that will be must-watch. And then Deion Sanders lost. Uh, and what's his name? Uh, Dan Lanning, coach of Oregon, to me gave like one of the craziest inspirational halftime speeches of all time. Um, 
I'm with Dan Lanning, and I think a lot of surrounding college football coaches, they're just tired of this or, or this Colorado narrative taking over college football. And it's great that he's brought life to Colorado, not hating on that or the team. But, again, like Dan Lanning alluded to, there's just a lot of hype around Colorado for not winning anything yet or not doing anything, not being – you haven't proved anything yet. Uh, so Dan Lanning absolutely ran up the scoreboard, ran up on them. It was 42 – it was, you know, 35-0 at halftime, 42-0 going into the third, fourth quarter, and they won 42-6. to I mean, Oregon was great. I didn't expect this game to be close. I thought Oregon would dominate. They did. They look great. Great. Congratulations to them because Oregon – Looks like one of the best teams uh, to me. Their offense is really, really good. I'm looking forward to that uh, Washington Husky Oregon Duck game in a few weeks because those are two elite offenses. So now with college football in the books, week four, who are my top six teams, my four playoff teams, my first two out. Number one, Georgia. Um, they're still the two-time reigning defending champs. I can't knock them. We did play UAB, give up 21. But this offense and um, Carson Beck look all right. Um, there's nothing to hate on. Knocks them down. Brock Bowers, best weapon in the college football um, to Marvin Harrison. So Georgia's going to be just fine with their schedule and the teams they play. Number two, still Michigan. Again, no movement there. Uh, great team. Um, very surprised that they only have like a 12% chance per ESPN FBI, but whatever. Uh, they're number one in SP plus uh, ranking and ESPN metric that is kind of tempo-based on, you know, what you've done so far this season, kind of your metrics and everything. So they're number one in that. Michigan is solid defensively, to the best defensive team in the country right now. Uh, very solid offensively, always great special teams there too. Texas, I'm keeping it three. They have the best win of the season so far at Alabama, and they scored over 30 points every game this year. Their defense is really good. They're 4-0. Now, to me, their two most crucial games are coming up. Kansas, sneaky Kansas team 4-0, and then Oklahoma-Red River rivalry. Then four. Throw this one as a shocker here. This one differs from the AP poll. They have Ohio State there. I have Oregon at four. I think they're the best team in the um, Pac-12 right now. That is subject to change. But you have USC, who sort of struggled against Arizona. Uh, you have Washington, who so far hasn't played a great team this year. Their offenses look great. But Oregon has looked fantastic. Absolutely tattooed Colorado. Have put up an 80 piece so far this year. Their offense to me is number one. Number five, Ohio State. Uh, to me, they have the second best win going to Notre Dame, winning there. Very solid. Uh, that's why I have them at five. And six is Penn State. Um, again, they're a kind of a dominant 4 0 team right now, especially offensively. The newcomer quarterback, Drew Aller. Looks good, so I have Penn State there rounding out my top six. 
This has been Unbothered. I'll talk to you guys later. A couple great Monday night games tonight. Who you got? Rams or Bengals? Eagles, Bucks. Bye, everybody.